0: hi there hi there how's it going it goes uh what a milestone what a treasure to be spending this day with you right guys we are on our 50th episode
1: (laughs) can you imagine 50 50
0: (laughs) amazing who'd have thunk well it was our goal and we (laughs) met it (laughs) this is where we announced that we're retiring from podcast no i'm kidding Goodbye forever (laughs) (laughs) no 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 we actually become an art history podcast, imagine. Ew. 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 No. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I'm Stephanie. And I'm Elena. And this is Bet You Wish This Was an Art Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. To our 15th uh, episode. We've done a lot to change things up, haven't we? I would say so. A new, a new intro, a new, a new year, although the year thing has been happening. It's been a, a bit, but has Every, it. Everything is so much. I'm still sick, so. That's to be expected. That is to be expected. That is a comforting expected. Yeah. It's a constant in our lives. <laughs> it is my constant, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And much like uh, a lot of our promises, I lied to you, Elena, and we are actually going to talk about Europe. Ugh. No. Okay. I'm <laughs> sorry. Fine. <laughs> <Bye now. sighs> I'll make we it. A- talk about communism? No, there's no communism in this one. Oof, thank God. In fact, we're not even going to talk about the 20th century outside of problematic views and opinions that the 20th century always has. Ooh. it'll be easy. It'll it'll come naturally to us. It'll be gentle. It'll be wonderful. We're uh, I'm excited. Going to talk about an artist we've technically already talked about today when we did the Women Artists Month. Remember that? That's remember, that's remember true. 100 years ago. Back when we first started off and we used social media to like talk about things and artists. Uh, what that <laughs> happened? Remember, remember energy? <laughs> no. Who is I don't know her. <laughs> back when we did the Oh golly, though why were there no great women artists? Series yes. back in 2019 through 2020, early 2020, the the good old days. The good um, old days. We actually did. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking at the dates right now. This is technically an anniversary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> technically, technically, because we did the Great Women Artists for Valentine's Day. Okay, and then the following week. We actually kicked off our women artists series with Artemisia Gentileschi.
1: Aww,
0: that's lovely. If you, uh, if you're curious to see what that series looked like, which covers a lot of our favorite female artists, it's like 15 female artists over a, a span, a span, a span of 15 days, I think, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Between episode four and episode five. Wow. Wow. That was forever ago. We've come a long way. So long. But give it a look. Give it a little look C's. It's actually very good. Um, it's on our Instagram and, and, uh, and, 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 and. <laughs> <laughs> on our Twitter. Yes. It's very good. It is lovely. And this theme is as well. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it reminds me that uh, much like our women, our Why Were There No Great Women Artists, Episode, which I think kind of started the framework for why we talk about the things we do. Mm-hmm. I think it's nice to, to come back to some of our, our favorite female artists, and especially starting with one that we used to kick off last year's uh, Reflection Corner Artemisia Gentleski. <laughs> <Be-be-be-be-be- laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. not to be not to be mistaken with her father anyways uh, <laughs> women artists no. are the best oh whatever any who's <laughs> welcome to the welcome. artemisia gentileschi episode yes
2: artemisia gentileschi or artemisia lomi uh was uh, basically this italian baroque painter that Prominent in the 17th century, beginning to mid-17th century. And she has only started to get popular in the 20th and 21st centuries. Because after she died in 1656, her name was kind of hidden. Or it was like, basically the style she painted in was no longer popular, so her name was swept under the rug. But recently she has been getting more and more prominence, and now she is quite popular in the sense that she is getting, or she got recently, a very like solo exhibition in the National Gallery in London, which we will talk about a little later in the episode
1: a little
0: later
2: but she was she was fantastic (laughs) she's so cool (laughs) in in every sense of the world
0: word i think i think we got a feeling that most artists most people most artists during this time especially like working in florence are a little bit dramatic and she fits right in yeah Yeah. i think she for, for me she's a woman who
2: knew her Worth and her power, and used it. Knew it was different from the male power thing that is on the side. Mm -hmm. She knew she had like disadvantages because she was a woman, but she used her skill and her cunning and talent and just like her personality to still make a name for herself in that world and still like rise quite high. For a female artist of the 17th century. It's, it's tough
0: to be woman, especially in 17th century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's cool, guys. Don't worry about it's it. Fine. <laughs> We're only going to repeat that 67 more times. Yep. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know what you're talking about. It's fine.
2: So Artemisia was born in Rome in 1593 and she was born into a family where her father was uh, already quite a prominent painter and she had three other brothers she was the eldest but she had three brothers from the age of 12 she had to be the head the matriarch of the family because her mother away in childbirth when she was 12 so from that time onward kind of she started to join her brothers in the workshop of her father. His, like I said his, her dad Orazio uh, he was a painter. He was a very famous quite,
0: painter at the quite, time quite, too. Yes.
2: Exactly. And he had a big studio and he wanted his sons to take after him. So he made them like take part in all the color mix-ins and drawing and everything that it entails working at a studio, <laughs> she also got in there and like set her foot down. <laughs> Even at a, at a young age, she showed much more talent and much more devotion to art than her other brothers, uh, to the point where when... She was nineteen years old. Her dad wrote to his patron, the Duchess of uh, the Grand Duchess of Tuscany, and he said that she quote has in three years become so skilled that I venture to say that today she has no peer.
0: Damn right, Dad. Damn right. Yes. <laughs> he was very proud of her. And And you know, it's mostly I, I there's so much he's such a good dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's such a good dad, deeply committed to his family, he loves his daughter, he is supportive of her artistic career. He fights for her, he never remarries. It's fine. I love him he He's a lovely man. he's a good boy, and I love him very much he
2: He basically knew uh, at that time, so it's the 17th century. The most prominent painter in the world, or in the European world at that time, is Caravaggio.
0: Hey, listen, the world began and ended to the Florentines in Florence. So, you know. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yes. It's, it, your, your perspective has to change. <laughs> it's different, okay, guys? <laughs> but to no one's surprise, uh, like, Orazio was a big fan, <laughs> big fan of Caravaggio. Yeah. And that like the the painters of Caravaggio, the students of, the class of, that like style, that true northern that like Florentine Baroque art style, the the curoscuro, the sfumato, the, the Caravaggio touch really starts yes. to make its appearance, not only in the body of artistic work responding to Caravaggio. But also inside of the Genovesi household, because
2: Caravaggio had visited Orazio before, and they were like acquaintances. So there is a possibility that Artemisia might have seen him too. But the whole fact that Orazio was influenced by Caravaggio, it influenced in turn Artemisia's work, uh, because she was learning from her father. You can see. That distinctive style of Caravaggio in Artemisia's earlier pieces, at least like you can see the influence of it, uh, especially in uh, Susanna and the elders, which she painted when she was seventeen years old.
0: You know what though? You could be impressed old. by that. I see a lot, a lot of kids on the, on the TikTok <laughs> that do just about the same level of absurd goodness. So you know what I think it is? It's just if you have love and support and a space and access to <laughs> supplies and and youthful energy. There's nothing that these these Gen Z kids can't do, honestly. And that's <laughs> Artemisia that's proves fair. that. That's that's fair and true. Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! It's just it's absurd. <laughs> yeah. It's I like mean, oh. A highly complicated and over detailed piece. Don't mind me. God. There's a 19-year-old I follow on Instagram. No, on well, on Instagram, but also on YouTube. And I just I want to scream <laughs> every time I see fantastic pieces. 23-year-olds who are out here being like, "Yes, yeah, so I own my own house. And it's like, who are you? I'm very happy for them. They intimidate the hell out of me. That is where I respond from. That is where my I am responding from. <laughs> That's fair. So yeah, so seventeen-year-old yes. Artemisia
2: can do whatever the fuck she wants. She'd be a killer on TikTok. She one hundred percent would.
0: But yeah, this is Anna and the Elders piece is uh holy shit is <laughs> very good. Now the
2: fact is, this is one of her I think most famous paintings today,
0: at least of her early work. Yeah, I think this
2: and Ju- Judith beheading. All fairness, are the most popular works by her.
0: You know what? Uh, that's fair, actually. Yeah. Oh, God, it's just, it's so cool. Uh, this piece, though, is phenomenal in a couple of different ways. But more importantly, let's get into, like, what Susanna and the elders was. I, we've talked about this before. I don't know to what degree. Or if it was only amongst ourselves. <laughs> but most art, especially in this, like, counter-reformation period, the, the Baroque era, even early Renaissance was really focused on retelling stories from the Bible and just like because you had a largely illiterate population that was just mm-hmm. trying to like you know connect to the stories and the best way to connect to stories is through a visual medium television does yeah. it all the time now but True. prior to this we had paintings <laughs> and so many paintings <laughs> so of the many. same stories and so one- many so many and the one that this one's telling is the story of Susanna from the book of Daniel, which is where a young married woman, Susanna, this, you know, small, delicate creature, mm-hmm. is bathing in her garden when two elderly men show up and start to spy on her. Yes, They, they surprise her in the garden. They demand sexual favors from her and she refuses. And they go, well, uh, if you don't, we're going to tell people that she did anyways. And she said, do it, bitch. <laughs> and uh, they did then falsely accuse her of adultery, which at the time and until very recently was a crime punishable by death. Yeah. It was only until the wise man, a, a Hebrew wise man named Daniel questions those and like actually does a full-on British procedural level of investigating and (laughs) comparing the two stories and observing that they didn't match up. And Mm -hmm. their conflicting stories then reveals the falsehood of their testimony, thus clearing Susanna's name. Yep. Now, the trial part where Daniel comes in and saves Susanna's reputation isn't the part that is often portrayed in paintings. No, it's nah. the scene of Susanna in the garden fully nude being preyed upon by these elderly men. Yeah. A riot. Yeah. <laughs> fun fun for
2: parties. Yeah, and a lot of artists like Caravaggio himself I think has this Caravaggio scene has painted. More, a couple like big uh, big names. Karachi yeah. has it as well. Uh, they they bunch have it basically.
0: <laughs> If, and if, if you can think of an artist at the time, they probably have a Susanna painting. Essentially. Rubens has one. I mean, like... Everyone Rubens, one. yes. This is the worst of all, I think. <laughs> have you seen it? The, the Rubens painting. Have you seen it? Where he's like, they're literally looking up from between her legs and it's just like, why is this... A thing. Why? <laughs> why this? Why anyway, is this a thing? <laughs> but yeah, all of those
2: uh, paintings, all of the other paintings are... Kind of depicted in a way where Susanna is this delicate, seductive young lady who is uh, like shyly turning away or allowing these men to look at her, and sometimes she even looks out from the painting and just is like she's always sitting in a garden too, or something like that, right? by by a pond or something bathing, but here. With Artemisia's Susanna, Mm -hmm. it is completely different. Starting from the way, the place where it's set. It's not in a garden, it's against a wall. Mm -hmm. And it's a horizontal painting. So it's kind of like divided in half by the wall. Half-ish, because it's a bit more than half. Um, And she, there are two men gazing over this wall and like over at... Susanna, who is obviously in distress and she's looking away from them with like literally pissed off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She, she looks so mad and it's like her hands are like pointed like above her. They're, they're covering partially her face and she's like pushing the men away kind of with her arms and shielding herself uh, from them. And it's obviously this very different perspective compared to the other paintings where she's a flower and they're just observing her.
0: But here it's like, sh- she's like, get the fuck away from me. Uh, say it with me, my dear listeners, male, male gaze. gaze. It's just, it's, <laughs> oh man. It's yeah. literally, good. this is such a good example. This is part of the reason why this Susanna painting keeps coming back. I think because this is how I was taught the, the, the story of Susanna and the elders, uh, especially in Baroque storytelling, you would have the Artemisia Genolesky painting on one side and then a series of other painters, contemporary artists, having the same one. And you just clicked through it. <laughs> yeah. And you have a, a more authentic interpretation of what this scene would be versus male gaze. And it's like, huh. Mm. <laughs> mm. um, this is also a great painting. The Susanna painting is also a great painting of, like, artists using themselves as uh, as models for their own pieces. There's uh, a lot of her female characters. Surprise, surprise. Have a lot of her features. Mm. Because I'll remind the courts, it's very expensive to get a model, especially during these times because in order to have someone sit for you for a painting you know you have to hire them or they have to be available and if you're going to paint something in the nude then it has to be this higher thing and it's so tough to get models and da. and you don't
2: have pictures available for you or pinterest or anything no
0: instagram is not a thing uh cursed time Google, Google images cannot provide you with simple search. So you just uh, picked up a mirror and painted yourself in reverse. Yeah. There's some really cool techniques that are developed through this time, but there are phenomenal videos of people trying to recreate the like self-portrait. Mm. It's so cool. Essentially, reflective surface equals inspo. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously then you've got these like female characteristics that, that reflect the artist herself and this comes up a lot when it comes to a trend of female representation in art. Uh, we had artists like, the. I think the most famous self-portrait artist is Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. And for many of the same reasons, where it's easier to just paint yourself Yeah, than it is to, uh, you know, paint others. You're all you've got at the end of the day. It is easier and...
2: Come on, what if you're socially awkward? I wouldn't want to ask someone if I can paint them. I would just resort to painting myself. <laughs> I don't want to go through all that awkward encounter of, oh,
0: oh, can I please um, paint you?
2: No. Yeah, right? No.
0: Human interaction? We don't do that shit. <laughs> we don't fuck with that. We don't fuck with that. <laughs> God, could you imagine? And then this is also like the 17th Gross. century. So you've got the plague. No, thank uh,
1: you.
0: Stay inside. Yeah. Paint yourself. Hey, guys, stay inside. Paint yourself. <laughs> That's a beautiful message to get out of this episode. I think so, too. So besides her being an impressive 17-year-old, <laughs> as, as all 17-year-olds quietly are, let's be honest, you couldn't yeah. pay me enough money to be a teenager again in no. any period of time. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Thank you. No, no thank you. <laughs>
2: In 1611, there was an incident that happened uh, yeah. uh, that I, we have to mention, at
0: least in passing. So it's, it's only because literally the year after uh, completing Susanna and the Elders. So yeah. 1610, she finishes Susanna and the Elders. And she's 17. And then, <sighs> so
2: Orazio had this friend called Agostino Tassi. And he was essentially helping Orazio in in this project, uh, working on a fresco. At some point, he left Artemisia and her chaperone, alone with Tassi when he was away working, something like that. And uh, Tassi took advantage of Artemisia and raped her. Eventually, this case led up to a trial. And in that trial... Das- Dasu was sentenced to exile, but the sentence was never carried out <laughs> because, of course, of course, it
0: wasn't. I love the exile. Uh, more people should be sent into exile. DBQH. <laughs> That's fair. Exile is a great is a great one. Like you leave and are not allowed back. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're gone, <laughs> 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 so it doesn't matter. You've left. <laughs> Goodbye. Good day, sir. Yeah. Now, granted, typically you're, you're exiled to, like, an island or a deserted area, and you essentially starve to death.
2: But! And we're not going to get into the finer details of what happened in the trial. Everything is available on Wikipedia if you want to view it. It's just not something we think is that relevant to Artemisia's artistic career, as well as life later on even though this was a big moment historically speaking this kind of assault like rape was not viewed as violation of a a woman but more a violation of the pride of the family right like the honor of the family and you can see that expressed even from Artemisia herself during this case the reason that they even ended up in trial, was because Tassi refused to marry her after he raped her and kept having sexual relations with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on in the 20th century, in the 21st century, the theme of Artemisia being a victim of rape has been played up so much that it's just, it blinds you, it kind of puts a veil over the rest of her life. And it's like, this is the only thing she that happened to her and that she did. And we have to... That, that's, that's basically how it was presented for a long, long time. Yeah. And it's like, no. <laughs> not fair. It's not fair. Her life didn't begin or end with rape. It was something that happened to her. It was a big thing, of course. But it did not define her. She wasn't a victim of it. And to see her that way is completely like diminishing her rest of her career, which is only just beginning.
0: And we're not going to talk more about this case. It's just upsetting. I think what also really gets upsetting is the fact that like the trial itself, we think trials now are hyper invasive and frustrating and upsetting. They definitely uh, did all that. Which was bad. And then she also was put through thumb screws just to make sure she wasn't lying. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a normal thing. I, I will say that the, uh, the discovery that Tassie had planned to murder his wife and was <laughs> sleeping with his sister in law and also wanted to steal paintings.
1: Yeah.
0: All that other fun hot goss.
1: <laughs>
0: he was shite. He, he sucked. We hate we to hate. see it.
2: And well, we don't want to see it, so we're moving forward.
0: <laughs> so we're already past this. Because yes. soon after the trial, uh Jim Lesky gets married. Very soon after it. To to a bad artist. Yeah. But a good yeah. husband, probably. Well
2: eh. he's su- he supported her affair.
0: That's all I can ask for, honestly. <laughs> Are we promoting affairs? What I don't happening? know. I don't know, Elena. I don't know. <laughs> there's there's no there's no like there's no hero in this and it sucks but artemisius the hero
2: (laughs) ish not really (laughs) she was great but she was also feisty and awesome in her own way but let's uh yeah she gets married to this painter from florence and they move to florence kind of the fact that she is away from rome works in her favor that she can kind of start like Not start over, but start apart from her
0: trial. And with a vengeance.
2: Yes. (laughs) She essentially starts becoming a successful court painter. This is not the time when the church would hire anyone other than a man. (laughs) So her, her only, like, the only way she could make money from art was to be a court painter and to make commissions for different people. That's why she went out of her way to get good patrons and that's why she moved around a lot to get even more new patrons so that she could actually make money off of her uh, career. The fact is she didn't make a lot of money and she was still struggling financially for a long time. But that's the artist life, I guess. (laughs) I mean, Uh, struggling artist. Uh, but no, yeah, it was all kind of rigged against her. But she did persevere. She gave birth to five children, but only one survived to adulthood. Um, Which, you know what? It checks out. Yeah, it's very and sad. the odds. <laughs> yeah. And her daughter, the one who survived Prudencia, she was also a painter uh, and took after her mother. Essentially, she started to gain patrons or like become friends with very big names like uh, she uh, had a patronage from the house of medici and she was friends with galileo galilei the astronomer and And michelangelo (laughs) and michelangelo the younger who actually commissioned her to basically commissioned a lot of people among those her but -hmm. she was paid the most uh to paint the Casa Buonarroti. Uh, and she, she painted the allegory of inclination. And yeah, it is wonderful. <laughs> she was also the first, uh, the first woman to be accepted and enroll into the Florentine Academy of Art, of the arts of drawing in 1616. But before that, she painted Judith beheading Holofernes.
0: We love to see it. So, this is probably one of the most famous paintings of yeah. this, this particular scene, the story of Judith slaying Holofernes. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably one of the Major Geneleschi's most famous works. It's the work we used to, you know, it, it's just the work we love to see. Okay? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great quote unquote femme fatale imagery it, it's used in so many different ways shapes and forms and like Artemisia herself created like six different variations but there are probably more but it's fine probably it's fine uh <laughs> it's just so cool it's very cool so context we love to paint the same biblical stories ad nauseum <laughs> so in this particular story you have Judith, who is a widow, a Jewish widow who uh, is being threatened to lose her home over an Assyrian invasion. There's, there's this great general, uh, Holofernes, who is, you know, has set up camp over this ridge and is ready to, like, come in and kill everybody. Da-da-da-da. So so Judith as like a, an offering, a, a quote-unquote peace offering, mm-hmm. goes into the Assyrian camp and uh, brings her maid with her, because she's, you know, slightly, slightly of the upper class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she goes and she offers herself and proceeds to get, hollow fairness, roaring drunk. And different depictions and different stories and different interpretations will say different things about what she did specifically, but it always ends with him, like, getting stupid drunk, (laughs) trusting her, getting drunk, and then passing out. Yes. Which is when she pulls out his big longsword and decapitates him. Wonderful. And then in the dead of night, puts his little head in a bag goes back to, the, uh, goes back to her, her people in Israel, and uh, they celebrate the death of Holofernes. And yeah. the Assyrians, having lost their leader, disperse, give up their battles, and Israel is saved. Hooray! Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Hooray. Blue instead um, <laughs> And rather than depicting, uh, did we talk about the whore, the maiden, and the mother? Yes. Was that two episodes? We've recorded so many episodes, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> that will be the episode before this one. As we as we actually talked about in the depictions of like female characters, she's often depicted as the like the maiden, whereas mm-hmm. the usage of the maid is then the usage of the crone, the the, the evil devilish one.
1: Yeah.
0: Or as, like, a reminder that Judith is a slut for sleeping with holofernes of Fairness, despite the fact that she did wins the victory. Did she it not- sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on whose interpretation you're looking at, it sucks. But in this yeah. one, there's there's real power behind it. The, the action doesn't shy away from the, the violence of it. There's also a lot... Of depictions of Judith and Holofernes, where it's just Judith with the head of Holofernes, very cool. But that's a very passive role, whereas this is a very active role mm. in decapitating this man. Yeah. And Caravaggio has a similar version, uh, near identical. Uh, in Caravaggio's one, she, uh, Judith, is
2: uh, this lovely lady, and she's like leaning away from. Yes. the beheading and it has this like uh, troubled expression on her face she hates that she's doing it yes and there's like little driplets of blood
1: instead of like <laughs> and here then there's where it's
2: soaking the <laughs> yeah. and then there's this
0: and we love to see it it is a good ass painting it's a great painting it's big too so like you, you see you see it all yeah
2: um This is kind of, this painting is used a lot in later times to say that she is depicting her own rage from her own Eh. rape, but the story is completely different,
0: so I don't understand why the comparison, I mean, I... uh, eh. I think it's been adopted (laughs) to represent, like, overcoming abusers and because of the fact that artemisia has been raped that it's just it's a very easy like connection to make because the actual nuance of artemisia's attack is just it's because of the fact that her story is a little bit more nuanced than man attacked girl girl then tried to get help and was ignored um because of the fact that there was the time the, the time lapse and because the trial really only went through, or largely went through because of the fact that uh, Tossi just didn't want to get married. Or Tassie didn't want to, like, divorce his wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he'd kill her, but he wouldn't divorce her. So no. it's, it's complicated. <laughs> Make it's up compl- your mind, sir. Uh, just because he's trash... Doesn't mean trash. that J- Artemisia's like re- Artemisia's resentment towards her trial and the rape is different than the stories that she's telling. She's just she's taking away a very romantic and very delicate, you know, interpretation of it through her work and allowing for a lot more raw and powerful emotion. She's She's channeling a lot of things, but I don't think she's channeling the rape. I think the rape is a part of her story. I think the rape isn't, like, what motivates her art. Yeah. Uh. Yes. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's, just, she's just trying to push against the stereotypical feminine, you know, which is what she was doing her entire life. This, this concept of, like, sensitivity and timidness and weakness and, moved more towards rebellion and and power and courage and stop stop with the male gaze.
2: Just stop it.
0: Yeah. It's fine. She's just a very modern woman in a very ancient time. Essentially.
2: <laughs> but she did she did go with the fashion of the times. Sure. In the sense that all of her in all of her paintings, the people she portrays are wearing clothes
0: of the fashion of that day. And we are never going to put people into other outfits. It's it's contemporary or bust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was contemporary for her time.
2: Um yeah, we talked about how she has been influenced uh by Caravaggio. And the as we all thing are. It, Yeah. I mean <laughs> the things that she's a messy bitch but
0: we're here for it
2: yes (laughs) go listen to our Caravaggio episode (laughs) (laughs) we should do a new one about it but anyways there are a few like features that she takes away from him so one is the fact that she also commands uh chiaroscuro very well
1: um
2: which is kind of like this um light uh, the play on light and shadow and this this uh juxtaposition between the the two and she uses that a lot in her work and you can see that this play on like which parts of the painting is light and which parts are plunged into shadow or complete darkness and she also uses the this naturalistic style to to depict uh, people in her paintings, which is also something that uh, was used wild, widely by Caravaggio. She had her own style; she had her own individual artistic style.
0: She, but she did. She was not a revolutionary. No, no, not, she, not, her, not her boat. She, she was not here to rock the boat. No, she was just here to swim along. She made her art, and she made her art extremely well, and she yes. wanted to be a, a, a career artist. Her goal was yeah. not to, like, make a statement. She was just following in the path, like, of her father, essentially. But she was just following
2: the trends and being part of the team instead of being like an innovator. So maybe that's why she was so easily forgotten for a long time. Uh, Aside from the other reasons of of being deliberate, (laughs) hiding and misinterpreting and putting her work under someone else's name. But yeah, (laughs) that's a thing that happened. She's so cool. Uh, She's very cool. Um, My favorite part, is that uh, from from a, her affair? She had an affair while she was married <laughs> uh, to Francesco Maria uh, Marigni. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. Um, Francesco, Maria Maringi. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Francesco Maria Marigni. Yeah, Francesco Maria Marigni. He uh, basically was this uh, like rich guy who Artemisia had, like, a legit steamy affair with. Artisa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you see the love letters that she wrote to him. She's
0: horny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> She's horny. Dating men will forever be the same.
1: <laughs> oh I love it.
2: Uh but her husband knew, the, knew about the affair, and he even like wrote to Maringi on certain occasions, at, either at the back of Artemisia's love letters, or like to inform him that, oh, Artemisia was not able to write to you right now. <laughs> kind of
0: something like that. I kind um, of like that. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who often engages in polyamorous relationships. It's kind of cool. I wish yeah. it was a little bit more, like, less bad, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> I wish yeah. there was more communication, you know? Well,
2: what uh, Artemis's husband wanted from this was uh, Maringi's money, essentially, yeah. because while the two lovers were together, he was getting, or his family was getting, financial aid from Maringi, so it worked for him. But yeah, eventually the rumors of the affair started to spread, so they were kind of forced to stop the interaction, the affair, for either that reason or something else we don't really know exactly. Yeah. But eventually
0: they moved to Rome. Hey, listen, one in doubt, flee to Rome. <laughs> that's just it's sol- just sound logic, you know.
2: Yeah. Around this time, so this is the 1620s, 1624 to be more exact, where uh, Gentileschi and her husband kind of separated. We don't know what happened, and there's literally no mention of him ever after in any documents that we have access to now. So he kind of poofed into the air, uh, but her career uh, went on. She thrived. She fucking thrived. She she thrived. Yes, (laughs) because she was now in the capital, and there's a lot more patrons here. Her, she was able to get more commissions, so her money troubles weren't as prominent anymore. And yeah, she had a bunch of patrons and a good reputation for being legit painter. Mm-hmm. She went to Venice for a while, where she also had some commissions, and then she went to Naples, and she stayed in Naples from then on, kind of, even though she did not like the city, in her own words. She thought it was too crowded, poor, and violent.
0: But she 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 literally like spends the rest of her life, her career and her life just traveling and finding new commissions and being taken yeah. up by different courts and being traveled, you know, transported to different royal houses and working for certain nobilities. She's got patrons like the Grand Duke of Tuscany, King Philip the Fourth, King Charles the First, like, you know, just bopping around Europe yeah. and doing her thing, living her life, being a fucking queen.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, she even went to England, and that is kind of like why there are uh, uh, there are quite a few paintings in England now of her, like, by her.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: there was one even recently discovered that was by her, I think. There was also one discovered in Australia that was by her. It's a whole thing. Things keep being discovered. Her paintings keep being discovered, and it's awesome. But for her death she was accepting commissions up to the point of 9 of 1654 and that's kind of the last known sighting c- uh, in documents of her and it's kind of believed that she might have died during the plague that hit Naples in 1656 and i mean <laughs>
0: It is a possibility. Probably. (laughs) It is a probability. (laughs) Plague plague comes for us all. No. (laughs) Gosh, please. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wear your
2: masks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she, uh, like we said before, was kind of forgotten after her death. Her works were misattributed to either other, work, uh, other painters of the
0: time or her own father. Or her dad! Similar. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, A yeah. it must be the father. What? Yeah.
2: Um, misconception of this whole era is that Jan Dileski was the only female artist who was prominent at the time. But that's not true, because there were other... Women and it is documented, and we know of them. Imagine the ones that we don't know of that also were prominent of the time. So, the first work, yeah, there was this one guy who kind of wrote about her first back in the early 20th century. I think he was, his name is Longy or something
1: like that. Mm-hmm. I don't
2: know. Yeah and he said that she artemisia was the only female who had mastered painting that's not true he's lying <laughs> he's a dipshit anyways <laughs> she was a very uh, good painter she was, her her paintings there's like hun, like 100 paintings about 100 paintings that it may have been painted by her, but like only half are for sure painted by her. But the others we don't really know.
0: Yeah. I wish we knew.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. I wish yeah. I wish records were a thing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> One day. Would <laughs> be lovely. I know. I know. <laughs> but I think what really is phenomenal about Artemisia's work is like not only the fact that she challenges these, you know, the standard feminine trait, but also the fact that, you know, uh women could be protagonists in her work. she could she could she could create equality between uh, the genders in her in her pieces. Um there's a couple of contemporary art historians who, like, uh, argue that Artemisia really was aware of how uh, women were portrayed in Mm. contemporary media. And so she actively sought to correct that narrative through her own work. And not, like we said, not in a very revolutionary way, just in a very gentle correction. Same same subjects, same concepts, just a little different. (laughs) Same, same, but different. Later on,
2: a lot of... Uh, biographies have been written about her uh, a lot of works of fiction have been mm-hmm. written about her uh, there was a movie from the 40s
0: about her which i didn't know about i didn't realize that there was a an artemisia movie yeah
2: apparently i didn't know about it uh, and kind of essentially in the 70s she started uh, she started to be viewed a, a little differently Again, when Linda Knocklin uh, released her article, uh, Why Have There Been No Great Women Artists? Which we all know. Which we've discussed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, she, uh, so Knocklin and Sutherland Harris, kind of curated this uh, exhibition, this landmark survey called Women Artists 1550 to nineteen. Fifty, and in that uh, there was like several of Artemisia's works, like half a dozen of her works, and this was kind of the first time that Artemisia's works were being viewed, like a a few of them together, because like they they were in museums, but they were like singular, so now it was more uh, a unit, (laughs) and yeah, uh, this was like the time when she was also adopted by the feminist movement uh, which fair essentially, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> fair.
2: But, fair but this is also this is also the second wave feminist
0: uh, less movement. exciting but i mean you know you got to start somewhere yeah. well
2: i know well, her adoption by the feminist movement also contributed to this massive focus on her uh rape and her trial and then later on even to this day there are articles being released connecting her to the me too movement um <sighs> which is i mean she, she she would be an advocate if she were she were from this Yes. Time.
0: Oh yeah, 1000%. And that's
2: fine. But to only view her as a woman
0: who was raped
2: is not away I, to be I,
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really I really like that the Artemisia narrative is moving away from rape survivor to yeah, badass bitch. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad that <laughs> is gently changing. I know that there's some, you know, there are still some schools of thought that associate the two and you can have both in both hands. You know, you can have one in one hand and one in the other and hold them but they can still be separate things that comprise the complicated and fabulous you know complicated person that artemisia was yeah (laughs) she's just great please understand uh she's it sucks to exist in in time in general it sucked more (laughs) when we didn't have wi-fi oh yeah (laughs) would not want to live in that time no Um, would not I would be bored out of my mind. I don't. <laughs> You'd write books. You'd write music. You'd be a court musician until you were married, I guess. Mm. Or until you disguised. Ooh, you, you pretended that you uh, weren't, you weren't a woman. You could, could disguise yourself as a man. I could do that. What would Georgia be like in the 1600s? Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I it's a word picture.
1: Oh, um,
0: what, what would be in store for, for Elena uh, for the 16th good. century?
2: Oh, gosh. Those were the times of heavy, heavy war. <laughs> but so which we'd weren't? all be dead from the plague. That's oh, right. We didn't have plague. You did not have plague? No, I, I don't think we did. No, it, it didn't get there. <laughs> huh. we, we were we were fine maybe one or two cases but they might have been killed <laughs> but yeah i don't oh. I, I don't think we had the plague
0: don't quote me on this but i don't <laughs> think we had the plague a georgian historian comes out of nowhere
1: a georgian uh, historian comes out
0: of nowhere and is like i can't believe <laughs> you didn't know about the plague of 1640
2: honestly my georgian history needs a lot of
0: work I haven't read anything of it in a while. So, Are you going to make a career change? Is this what you're dying to tell me on our 50th episode? A, a what change? A, a career change, a life change, oh. a, a historian lens. No. <laughs> I
2: like being a non-art history art historian. God bless.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And I couldn't be more grateful to do this kind of stuff with you. Yeah, me too. But wait, there's more. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to free us a No. <laughs> no,
2: uh, I just want to mention that there was uh, like the first major exhibition of Artemisia um in uh, from third October twenty twenty, and it ran until twenty fourth of twenty. 20- uh, January 2021 we, we just we, missed it we are pre-recording this so I do not know if it was moved to a later date it probably won't but, be realistically. Yeah, probably not <laughs> uh, yeah this is kind of it, it brings together a lot of her works like 30 of her pieces uh, and this is like the first time the first time in the history of Uh, london's national gallery that there's a major solo female artist exhibition they almost have like a 200 year history and this is the first time remember this and hold them accountable for it but yeah she did have an exhibition
0: i don't know what else to say do you want to say something else (laughs) i'm really pissed at the uh, curator (laughs) Yeah, that, the, the the idea of like yeah, this is cool and all. But uh, Artemisia didn't really have a follower. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And realistically, uh, just because a one curator can't name, so uh, the curator for the show, you know, does that backhand compliment of saying, yeah, definitely a celebrity, definitely phenomenal. Definitely, you know, her, her talent and her ability is on the same level as, like, Van Dyke or Rubens or... Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh... Quote, I can't name a single Artemisia follower. Now... <sighs> now, this is problematic and complicated because, yes. technically speaking, we will never know if she had followers or not, for several reasons, uh, do records survive? Can you... Uh, we barely knew until very recently uh, what paintings were actually associated to Genelleschi in the first place. Then there's also the complicated history of, like, she is technically a follower of Caravaggio. Technically a follower of Caravaggio. So yeah. are there people... Well, technically. That's her style is a la Karavigista. Yes. So so are there people who did similar styles? And are there artists who t- claim that they, you know, found the inspiration without finding Janaleski? That takes time to discover. And just because, you know, you can't name a follower doesn't mean that there weren't followers. Yeah. They could have just been, you know... Casual artists or, or artists who never made a big, you know, had fame type thing. So it's not, that's, that's kind of a shitty. It is a shitty argument. What kind of shitty argument? Yeah. <laughs> but what can we say? It is the National Gallery. Blech. I bet they're making great decisions over there in the Britain world. They are the not most regretting cases their decisions. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know why I'm bitter and upset, but I read that and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Fuck you.
1: <laughs> Is there anything else you might like
0: add? <laughs> uh,
2: we love Artemisia and uh,
0: go check out her work. <laughs> Please do. And I love you. I love you guys too. I said you. Oh, you love me? I thought you were talking to the guests. Uh, To to the guests? To Uh, the guests. Oh,
1: Stephanie.
2: (laughs) Okay, fine. Don't say you love me too.
1: I love you so much. Don't do this to me, (laughs) babe. Oh
0: Oh my God. (gasps) Uh I thought you wanted a moment with our listeners. I didn't I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh, Anyways,
0: Elena, thank you so much for doing
2: this episode with me. Thank you too,
1: Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm carrying up. a
0: spicy uh <laughs> The spicy Valentine's Day content we like to provide here at Pie Wrap. Yes. God, that's funny. Oh
1: my God. Anyways.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. Ooh. Oh man. That's it. That's a Janoski episode. We've done it. We've done it. 50. God bless her. Yes. <laughs> We're going to do some really cool things for uh, moving forward, guys. Tw-
1: yes. F- 50. 50. 50. 50. <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> A whole ass 50.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe? No, I can't believe it. And for other unbelievable <laughs> things that I can't believe, like your love for me, <laughs> as well as updates, newsletters, transcripts, blog posts, and more. Head on over to our website at bywartpod.com. You can also find us at
2: bywartpod on Instagram, where I declare my love for Stephanie.
0: Or on bywrpod on Twitter, where I promptly ignore these uh, celebratory affections of love.
2: You can also email us at bywrpod at gmail.com.
0: And of course, you can check us out on Patreon. Our Patreon is the best way to send us love letters. If You like the work that we're doing here at BiWAP. Come say hi. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear a fucking mask. Love your oh. friends. Uh, be married to your podcast co-host. Yes,
2: and then divorce yes. her promptly.
0: No, and don't let her. Do not sign those papers. <laughs> it's time to murder your wife instead.
1: <laughs> Are you going to murder me? Only <laughs> if you try to divorce me! <laughs>
2: And <laughs> remember, when in doubt, titty out.
1: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>